Transportation is a journey connecting us in our everyday lives. This podcast series, TRB's Transportation Explorers, takes you on that journey with meaningful conversations with the experts behind the research. They often have an early eye on how we'll build the transportation of tomorrow. Hi, I'm Elaine Farrell. And I'm Paul Mackey with the Transportation Research Board of the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine based in Washington, D.C. On today's podcast, we'll explore with Carol Schweiger, who has more than 40 years of experience in transit consulting, specifically in the areas of intelligent transportation systems, public transport technology, traveler information strategies and systems, and systems engineering. Carol has authored numerous TCRP reports and syntheses and serves as the co-chair of the Standing Technical Committee on Innovative Public Transportation Services and Technology. We're here today to speak with her about mobility as a service. Thank you so much for being here today, Carol. We're excited to have you talk about mobility as a service. Some people call it MOS for short. So MOS is often conflated with other mobility options like mobility on demand and ride hailing. So paint us a picture that uh, possibly with an example of mobility as a service of what it is, how it differs from mobility on demand and, and other similar services. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for having me today to talk about one of my favorite topics. So yes, mobility as a service and mobility on demand are often confused. And I think the easiest way to think about mobility as a service is that it's a concept of integrated mobility where someone who's traveling can access all of the available mobility services over a single digital interface. What I often say to people right after giving that definition, though, Moz is not just an app. It involves a series of developing partnerships among mobility service providers so that the traveler is made aware of any kind of available services in a city or a region. And then when you look at mobility on demand, mobility as a service actually provides access to mobility on demand. And you could think of mobility on demand as a, a mode itself. And you hear about mobility on demand services now around the U.S. as they could be called microtransit services within a specific zone in a public transit service area. So it's also a concept as well, and it does involve intermodal mobility, but it's a very specific type of mobility service. So again, the bottom line is MAS provides access to mobility on demand. Now, as far as examples go, as I think a lot of people realize there are not a lot of full mobility as a service systems that exist in the US, but a couple of systems that are being built toward mobility as a service, for example, LA Metro or Dallas Area Rapid Transit, they are both building their mobility as a service system based on their mobile fare payment systems that they operate. 
with LA Metro, it's the tap card, and you can access other mobility services beyond what LA Metro provides, like bike share. Dallas Area Rapid Transit is doing the same thing with their GoPass system. And then mobility on demand, the examples there are, as I mentioned, a lot of the micro transit pilots that are being conducted around the US by a number of transit agencies. I read an article the other day that the Washington Metro is actually partnering with Capital Bike Share. That sounds like that's a good MOS option as well. Absolutely. And Capital Bike Share has been very much in the forefront of technology. And I think that definitely is moving towards a MOS system for the greater DC area. So it sounds like there are, at least maybe in the beginning stages, successful MOS operations in the US. I have heard, and I'm sure you have too, that they are quicker to take effect in Europe because it's much smaller or has better transit infrastructure or you know something of that nature. So how do you think the MOS systems can be successful in the US with what is already built? So I think as we move towards MOS in the US, the development of that concept really needs to be a part of the overall transportation planning activities. So for example, when transit agencies are conducting projects like comprehensive operational analyses or COAs, or they're doing a transportation development plan, I think it's really important to look at technologies and services that can actually facilitate mobility in an area, not just looking at transit services in a vacuum, but looking at systems or technologies that could facilitate mobility throughout the whole region. So I think we we need to start shifting our thinking in the in the planning area to incorporate a concept like mobility as a service. Now, addressing this sort of Europe versus US question, I do get asked that quite a bit. And frankly, mobility as a service has been deployed in Europe, but very few of those systems are actually still operational. And I think the reason why people think that it's taken off in Europe is because that's where the concept was developed. It was in a 2014 uh, master's thesis where that concept was developed, and then it sort of spread like wildfire throughout Europe. But there have been a number of challenges actually making it successful, but there actually are not a lot of systems that are fully operational in Europe. This is still clearly a very new concept. One good thing about it being a new concept is that it's coming out at a time when equity is getting so much focus. Can MAS help transportation agencies uh, advance equitable access to, to services? And are there any ideas about maybe subsidizing MAS or, or something like that? So perhaps the unbanked or otherwise vulnerable populations can take advantage? I think MAS has the capability to 
advance equitable access, but I think we need to sort of separate the technology again from, from the concept. So I think as long as mobility as a service is based on open data and an open transportation ecosystem, I think it does advance equitable access because you're giving every traveler the same information about what the available services are. There are some mobility as a service or people are calling it MAS services that are being provided by specific mobility service providers. And those do not always incorporate all of the available mobility services. It might be focused on one that that particular company is operating. So again, as long as we're basing MAS on an open ecosystem, I think it can do a lot for equitable access. But there's one caveat, and that's where the technology comes in. So when MAS systems are, are being developed, they're based usually on a technology platform that's accessible from a mobile device. And there, we don't necessarily have equitable access. So when we're providing a MAS platform, we need to keep in mind that we need to have some alternatives where people can still access the platform, but not necessarily on a smartphone or a device that they own, but an alternate device like a kiosk or even somebody calling on a phone that wants to understand what their mobility options are. So the, the recently announced Move PGH in Pittsburgh, which is hopefully going to become a full MAS solution, they will be deploying some kiosks around the city, and that gives access to anyone. So I think in that sense, as long as we realize we need to provide a little bit more than just a single platform to access MAS, we'll be doing a good job in the equity space. It sounds like we were onto something way back a long time ago when we had things like billboards and payphone booths in urban areas. Yeah, I mean, the, the kiosk, a lot of us dismiss that. I, I was one of those people that dismissed it back in the, you know, the 90s when we were beginning to talk about uh, public transportation related technologies because it was always subject to some negative things, you know, like vandalism, for example. But we need to remember that not everybody is walking around with an unlimited data plan on their phone and that we still need to have a way for those folks to access these innovations. So it, it is kind of like the, the old public phone. That's, that's a good analogy. My next question was actually going to be about what technologies can we use to advance MOS, but it almost sounds like it's the absence of technology in, in some cases that we need to focus on. 
Um, but I was wondering if you think there's any connection between MOS and automated vehicles, and if you think that technology can help advance MOS as well. I think there are a couple of one thing that's happening around the country, and and it's happening quite a bit in Europe as well, is incorporating the traffic side of things into mobility as a service. The original concept of MAS always had traffic as part of the picture that it was painting for people. But what's happening here is taking a concept like transportation systems management and operations, or it's also called TISMO. And that's really, in a way, a very similar concept to MAS. And it's taking TISMO and actually incorporating it into MAS systems that are being developed. So we don't leave the traffic side out there. We incorporate that when we're telling people what their available services are and potentially how long it's going to take them to get from point A to point B. In Europe, a couple of locations like in uh, Ghent, in Belgium, they've already done that. So a traveler that's looking at all of their available services has a picture of what the traffic situation looks like, congestion, um, pollution, things like that. In the automated vehicle space, I'm one of those people that feels that we're still a bit away from it being something that appears outside my door. I think that'll happen. I just don't think we're quite there yet. But I think that is going to provide yet another available mobility service that will be incorporated into a MAS system. And I think there's there's already been a lot of discussion about that and the fact that people will have potentially greater mobility when they are using something like an automated vehicle, which can be a lot more flexible in its operation. The only other thing that I want to mention about automated vehicles is I still think we're a bit away from the use of automated vehicles in traditional public transit services. That's coming, but I think until we've incorporated that into our public transit systems, we might still be a little bit away from incorporating it into a MAS system. Pretend for a minute that you're in charge of federal transportation policy. What one or two policy decisions would you personally implement to encourage mobility as a service? We need to go back to something I mentioned a little while ago about the transportation planning process. And I think. One of the key policies that should be inherent in planning is looking at these kinds of tools that facilitate mobility, because we don't always do that in the planning process. So I mentioned earlier, we really need a planning process that looks at all of the alternatives even if they're not specifically mobility services, but perhaps mobility tools that help facilitate travel. What 
you really want at a policy level is a tool like MAS to be thought of to help people basically live their best lives. And the only way they can do that is with mobility. So I would focus a little bit on our planning policies. Also, I strongly believe that we need to be collecting a lot more data than what we're collecting now in terms of all mobility services. So public transit has had the National Transit Database for many, many years. Data must be collected and reported. And it also is tied into funding. I think it's very important, despite the competitive nature of some mobility services, we still need to be collecting probably a little more data than we have been in the past. I know that's very controversial. The Los Angeles area has had its challenges with the mobility data specification. But I think overall, as a policy, we need to be collecting more data about all types of mobility services. This almost sounds like the Jetsons and, and how we always think that transportation is so perfect with the Jetsons, but really they just, I think they just got in their rocket and, and blasted off from their houses. Whereas mobility as a service sounds more complicated and complex than that, but yet much more exciting in a way, because it's it's almost like once you get to mobility as a service, you don't even need to think about transportation. You just kind of, you might walk outside and jump on a scooter and later in the day, you might take public transit or you might come back home in an autonomous vehicle, something along those lines. And shifting to a little bit more personal, where did your interest in transportation come from? Maybe it came from the Jetsons, I don't know. Well, I did watch the Jetsons. Now, I won't bore you with the entire story about how I got interested in transportation, specifically public transit. The very short story is my grandparents lived in Brooklyn, New York. I was brought up in the suburbs of Boston, and I would go and visit them quite a bit. I was totally enamored as a very young child about the subway system because near where my grandparents lived, there was what is called an open cut where the subway tracks are below the level of the street, but you can see them. And the only other thing that I'll tell you about my interest is uh, my brother and I did not play license plate games in the car when we went to Brooklyn we would quiz each other on the New York City subway map. And we'd say, okay, list all the stations on the D-line. So that's what we would do for fun instead of license play games. So, so now you see the geekiness coming out. I think for, for mobility as a service, my interest in that got started with that master's thesis because I participate every year in the ITS World Congress, which is an annual conference that talks about technology and transportation. But just after that thesis was published, 
the Europeans announced the development of the the Maas Alliance, and Finland changed its transportation policies to incorporate Maas. And that's really where my interest was piqued, because I thought, here's a concept that treats mobility as any other part of your life. You don't think of it as transportation. It's just part of what you do in living your life. And that really intrigued me. Yeah, I think here in the U.S., you just have to make it as as simple and um, and easy as it is. People don't think about getting in their car and they get in their car and go. Right. It's almost been too easy for us to do that over the years. And the expense associated with owning a car and how much it costs when you just jump in the car and drive a short distance somewhere. I think people still don't fully understand what those costs are. Well, thank you again for meeting with us, Carol. What further research do you think is needed on the topic of Maz? You've mentioned so much already, but if you want a TRB to, to do something specific, what would that be? So I've always had a couple of thoughts about that over the last few years because Moz has been so prominent in our discussions, but we don't really have a lot of really good evidence about exactly what its impact is. So I think further research into the impact of Moz on travel behavior, when it's available, do people change their behavior? Do you need to provide incentives? I think we need to look at the sustainability of Moss in the long term because we haven't quite seen that yet. The industry that's developing the Moss platforms is still very much based on venture capital, which isn't necessarily a problem. We provide subsidies for a lot of transportation services, but is it really? sustainable in the long term. And I think we talk about Moz like it's it's very common and it should be easy to deploy. But frankly, I think there are a lot of transportation agencies that may not quite be ready for that. So I think we need to do a little bit more on that. And the final research piece I would say would be in the governance area. How should we look at Moz? Do we have guiding principles, for example, that govern Moz throughout the US? It's certainly not a one size fits all, but could we put some things in place to facilitate Moz? Thank you, Carol Schweiger, and th- thank you for your time today. And uh, thank you for your time and effort being so active with the Transportation Research Board. You're quite welcome. Thanks for the opportunity. TRB's Transportation Explorers is a production of the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. Ben Brown composed our theme music. The podcast is produced by Paul Mackey and me, Elaine Farrell, and edited by me. Thanks again for tuning into TRB's Transportation Explorers. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. See you next time on the Transportation Journey.